Good morning. Good to be here with everyone. I'd like to begin this morning by just wishing everyone a happy Mother's Day. Everyone. Because mothers and motherhood are God's great gift to all of us. We all benefit from mothers and motherhood. So I think we should all celebrate it with happiness and joy and thanksgiving to God. Now, <clears throat> one thing that I remember when I think of Mother's and Mother's Day, it may sound a little bit off track, but I remember in days past, in years past, at professional football games, not that I was there, but watching on TV, a professional football player would make this great play, and everybody would be cheering, and they'd go to the sideline after they were finished, and everybody would be you know, high-fiving or whatever they did back then. And uh, all of a sudden, as the TV cameras were coming and they would focus on that player who just made the good play, that player would realize it, stop, and he'd look and he'd say, Hi, Mom. <laughs> and the reason I remember that so much is because a number of public speakers, preachers, you know, uh, <clears throat> Speakers would, would say something about that, and they would notice, <clears throat> excuse me, and tell us, especially as seminary students, they would tell us, and as dads, that when these players do this, they never say, hi, dad. They would always, always say, hi, mom. Even though dad may have been the one who was watching the game <clears throat> more closely, Dad may have been the one who taught them how to play football. They just always said, hi, mom. And you can see that special connection that people have with moms, even big, burly football players. <clears throat> one man in our last church, back when our kids were small, and he was, of course, older and telling me about raising kids or just kind of talking about his situation. And he said, you know, the kids will call up pretty regularly and talk to mom for a good while and they'll talk about family and they'll talk about jobs and they'll talk about you know sports and the thing that kids are doing <clears throat> and this guy said but whenever he heard whenever he they said hey mom can I talk to dad he knew there was trouble <laughs> you know fixing a car leaking the house you know whatever it was it wasn't this nice talk about family and friends. It was, Dad, I need your help. <clears throat> so I think we know that it's hard to compete with mothers, with a mother's love for her children. And the Bible says God made them male and female, right? Now, I was reading an article on character strengths, and this was a study, and it wasn't by a Christian um, psychologist or whoever it was, it was just a study that they did and they uh, kind of pulled out some character strengths of women that are different than men, where women excel more in these character strengths than men generally. And what they found was, in this study, they found that women generally have a deeper appreciation for beauty and excellence. 
You know, it strikes them deeper. They talk about it, they mention it, that sort of thing. They say women also are more expressive and are better in the area of kindness to others. They more automatically help others when they are in need. They have more feeling toward others that need certain things, more compassionate, understanding more the suffering of others, more sympathy, more empathy, that sort of thing. And then they said in the area of love, women tend to value close relationships more than men. They tend to express more warmth, genuineness, closeness. And then they said in the area of gratitude, women tend to be more thankful for the good things that they experience and the things that they have. <clears throat> now, I didn't read any further. <laughs> Just kidding. No, uh, they, probably, they probably could have gone on further than that. But those were the four things that they came up with. And like I said, it wasn't a Christian uh, research or research by a Christian. It was just what they saw in, in our society. So now you take those findings, findings like those, and we could name some more probably, and apply them to motherhood, and you can see why mothers build such strong bonds with their children. You know, that, that deep caring, that deep feeling, that deep loving, that, that concern for them. Uh, one man was saying that his wife would go do something, leave him, you know, take care of the kids. And uh, she'd come in the house. She goes, where are the kids? He goes, oh, they're at the pond. At the pond? <laughs> That's just the difference, isn't it? Now, what I want to do with the rest of our time this morning is look at an incident recording, recorded in the Bible where God used female character strengths from women to accomplish one of the most amazing events in the Bible that really changed the course of history. And we're going to look at the actions of five women, although one of them is really a girl, not a woman yet, and see how they used their feminine giftedness from God with faith and boldness. There was a lot of strength in the way they used them. We're going to be in the Old Testament book of Exodus, and we're going to look into parts of chapter 1 and a little bit of chapter 2. But what I'd like to do at first <clears throat> is to just kind of go through a background a little bit uh, as we go over a little bit of the information until we get to the verses we want to look at. And you remember that in the Old Testament, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, his jealous brothers. And through the providence of God, God working out all things according to his plan, Joseph eventually ended up becoming the top ruler in Egypt under the king. Only one person had a higher rank than him in the, all the land of Egypt. And Egypt was this powerful nation at this time. And it ended up that Joseph brought his family down, and many of you know this already, but he brought his whole family down to Egypt during that famine. And at that time, there were about 70 people in the family of Jacob and in that family of Israel. That was the Israelite nation at that time. And over the next few centuries down in Egypt, the Israelites grew over those 400 years 
to what Bible scholars estimate was probably near 2 million people. Now, the Egyptian king, as that was going on, as they were growing and growing and growing, of course, the Egyptian king was getting more and more fearful. These people could overtake us. Or if somebody came in and attacked us, they could join the enemy and overthrow us. So the Egyptian king became very worried, and he started working them. Actually, he turned them into slaves. They had their own land for a while. Then he turned them into slaves for the whole nation. And the more that they... Uh, the more children they had, the more they grew, the harsher he got with them until he was treating them totally harsh with forced labor. But even in that, they kept on having more children. Now, when I said a few minutes ago we would look at five women who were heroes who changed the course of history, I wasn't even including all the women who kept having babies during those harsh times where they were growing the nation. But we might be able to add them to the list of heroic women also as they grew the nation of Israel. But because Pharaoh was getting so concerned with this vast growth of these Hebrew slaves, he imposed a strict executive order on these Hebrew people. And this is where we'll pick up the text in chapter 1 and verse 15. So if you look at... Going backwards. Chapter 1 and verse 15 through 16. It says, The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shifra and Puah, When you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. So Pharaoh has devised a plan to stop this overwhelming population growth of the Hebrew nation. Now you might wonder, as you're reading this, how could two Hebrew midwives deliver so many babies if the, if the nation is growing so fast? Well, those two midwives were probably the ones who overseeing all the other midwives, and that kind of becomes clear as we keep reading these were the two that would be held responsible. And so the Pharaoh brings them in and tells them, this is what has to be done. When a baby is born, when a baby boy is born to the Hebrew people, kill that baby. When it's a girl, you can let it live. So now let's look at verses 17 through 22. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, not just the midwives. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. 
So we have our first two women heroes, not counting all the ones that were kept giving birth during that time of hardship. These two top Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Pua, they are heroes. They are summoned by the king of Egypt, a very powerful world ruler, and he gives them these strict orders, have all the baby boys killed, only allow the Hebrew girls to live. Now, it says that the Hebrew midwives did not follow Pharaoh's orders because of their fear of God, because of their deep respect and love for God and not wanting to displease God. Now, you know, I'm sure that these Hebrew midwives also feared the Pharaoh because he had a lot of power over them. He had total power over them. This king was very powerful, not just in his own country, but as a world ruler. He ruled over this powerful kingdom with a powerful army. And not just powerful, but he was a cruel despot. He was a total dictator-type ruler. He was cruel to those Hebrew slaves. He turned them into slaves, first of all, and then he pressed them harder and harder and didn't care how much they complained or how unfair it was. He just made it even harder. And then he was cruel enough to order the murder of every Hebrew baby boy at birth. But the Bible says that these midwives fear and reverence for God would not allow them to kill these Hebrew baby boys. That's a deep reverence. It could easily have cost them their lives. I'm sure they thought about that. I'm surprised it didn't cost them their lives. But they were willing to risk their own lives out of their deep reverence and respect for God. They were brave women who chose to use their God-given feminine strengths to save the lives of innocent babies. These are our first two women heroes who happen to be mothers. And God blessed them with giving them children and families of their own. You know, we have women today who lead in the fight to save the lives of unborn children, children destined for slaughter. I've heard recently, and maybe some of you have too, of one woman, and her story has become public, but she had risen to the top of an abortion clinic and become the director of an abortion clinic. And she was making good money. And then one time she was called in, which she never really did this in her job, but she was called in to help with an abortion, and she saw the abortion take place on the ultrasound. And then she said, I can't do it anymore. And there was this group that were by the abortion clinic, a Christian group, that were witnessing to the workers. And even, you know, telling the women going in that they had another choice. And so they had been talking to her, and she even kind of talked back a little bit over the time, over the weeks and months and years. And when she had to watch that abortion, or when she watched that ultrasound, and she realized, I can't be involved in this anymore. Then she went to those people who had been talking to her, and she got connected to them, and they helped her out. And now she is a fierce warrior for the cause of the unborn baby. 
the whole pro-life movement. She has spoken in Washington, D.C. at those rallies and stuff. She speaks at national gatherings. and She leads a ministry that prays for and reaches out to abortion clinic workers. And the name of it is, And Then There Were None. And they're just hoping that they can reach every abortion clinic worker until there's none. So, Shifra and Pua are first two women heroes with mother's hearts. But now we're going to look at another woman hero who uses her mother's love to fight for her child's life. And it's in chapter 2. And we're going to be looking at the first four verses here in Exodus chapter 2. It says, Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch to make it waterproof. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. So this Israelite woman who is already a mother, has this baby boy. The edict from Pharaoh is that this baby boy is to be killed. But this Hebrew mother just could not give him over to die. So she kept his existence secret until she could no longer safely hide him. Sometimes we wonder about you know, how far do we go in obeying authority? Because the Bible tells Christians to obey authority. Well, we've already seen here two places where they didn't, and they were praised for doing that. So this mother devises a plan and waterproofs this papyrus basket with tar and pitch, places it beside the Nile River in the, we- in the reeds, and she has her daughter at a distance, keep him washed to see what will happen. Now, when you think about this, do you think that this mother just happened to strike it lucky when Pharaoh's daughter came to that very same place where she left the child? I don't. I believe this Hebrew mother chose this very area where she knew that Pharaoh's daughter came to bathe. Part of probably of the Pharaoh's complex, you know, his, his housing complex. Probably very near where the daughter lived, that was probably known. And then she had her daughter stand guard a little ways away to see what would happen with the baby. Now, to me, that is a bold, heroic move on the part of this Hebrew mother. She was doing what she could in order to possibly somehow, some way, spare the life of this child that she knew now she could no longer keep safely in her house. She did that for as long as she could. And now she took the next step. So now we have our third hero mother risking her own life to save the life of her child. And next, we're going to read of uh, numbers four and five of hero women who changed or shaped the course of history. 
And in verses 5 and 10, it says, 5 through 10, I'm sorry, says this. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. That came out pretty good, didn't it? So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. And that name Moses in the Hebrew it has a similar sounding to draw out. <clears throat> so Pharaoh's daughter sees the baby in the basket, and seemingly, right off the bat, she recognizes him as a Hebrew baby boy. Now, we know those were supposed to be killed according to her father's orders, right? But she ends up keeping him alive. Now, I'm guessing that must have taken some measure of courage for the daughter of the Pharaoh to go completely against, you know, his orders. And the orders were that these Israelite people were so the Israelite people wouldn't overtake the country. She certainly must have known of her father's edict I'm also guessing that it was the daughter's womanly, motherly instincts given to her by God as made female that drew her heart to want to save this little baby. And also, just think how this story developed as God was superintending all of this from above. Yet, he was utilizing human players and what they would do according to their feelings, these, these heroic women, what they would do to accomplish his purposes. I said there were five women whose faith and bravery played a, a large role in this crucial time of world history. And you probably now know that the fifth woman was the sister of Moses, who probably wasn't a woman yet. But I believe she also played a significant role by waiting near the baby in the reeds and then boldly approaching Pharaoh's daughter and volunteering to find a mother to nurse the baby. I think that's a brave little girl. Now, what we are talking about here is the birth and preservation of one of the most important people of human history. Moses the Deliverer. God used him as a major figure in the history of the world, in the history of, of Israel for sure. But God used him in, a, in a, an amazing and a magnificent way. And we've seen in this both God's brilliant workings and sovereignty along with human bravery and faith. And you think that God is going to use Moses to deliver his people out of Egypt and to take them to the promised land and look how much 
opposition was there. Look how much they had to overcome. And it took God doing his part, but yet people were doing their part too. And when people messed up, you know, that, that, hurt, that hurt the program, that hurt the plan. And when people stepped forward, that helped. That got the plan going. And these, these five women did so. And we see God using these brave women of faith as they were using their motherly, womanly strengths and instincts by making right choices to value life over death. And they were making choices that would honor God and human life, which then results in the salvation and life of Moses, the great deliverer. We have these brave and faithful midwives who were more concerned and more devoted to pleasing God than Pharaoh, who could have been destroyed in a second for the choices they made. We have Moses' mother, who hid him for three months, risking her own life, possibly, and then finding a way to give him a chance to survive. We have Pharaoh's daughter, who chose against her father's edict, even allowing this baby to be nursed by a Hebrew woman. And then Moses' sister, who took part in his rescue by being this innocent child who offered to find this baby a nursing mother. You know, in our day and age, some people think child raising is demeaning. Some people get offended if you expect them to raise their children, stay home and raise their children. I think it's the toughest job there is. We, Laura and I used to house sit when we were going through seminary. And sometimes we would uh, live in a house with their children while the parents went away on vacation or something. And they would have a nanny, <clears throat> housekeeper. And at one house, this nanny said, yeah, the mother, all she does is she just sit and, sits and reads and I take care of the kids all day long. Because, you know, in our world, taking care of the kids, sometimes people feel it's demeaning. It's like, that's not my full potential. But we thank God for mothers, don't we? Because mothers make such a difference. Mothers, you know what they say, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Because you're turning out people. You're turning about individuals who go on and do things. And so motherhood is truly a gift from God to all of us. And they say that when you, know, when you have uh, groups of men that just live apart from involvement of women, it, it gets... They destroy each other. It's women that bring in the softness and the, the civility a lot of times. And it's women shaping the lives of children through that love and care and nurturing and teaching and sacrifice. How in the world could that be demeaning? Well, we're just not thinking of it through God's eyes, are we? 
But that brings us back to God and his brilliance and in his, his amazing power and love, the way he works things out in humanity. And how he sovereignly arranges things to bring about good and where ultimately righteousness and honor wins and evil is defeated. Because we have the most powerful there being the evil, yet righteousness rules at the end. And righteousness wins. And God's way wins. And today, you know, we celebrate God's gift to our world of motherhood. And the way he planned it from the beginning to be such a vital part of human existence. And the love that he instilled in mothers' hearts. And when we think of mothers, we should thank God, right? And we thank him for sending that part of his love and character to us through mothers. You know, it says that God made man in his image. He made them male and female. And so God sent that part of himself to us through women and mothers. And his brilliance and wisdom and love are really unfathomable. But we see a big part of that in his gift to us in motherhood. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your unfathomable, brilliant plan in humanity. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for our mothers. We thank you for those who are willing to sacrifice and to pour their love into us and to, to their children. And we pray, Lord, that you would strengthen all mothers, Christian mothers and even those outside the church. Strengthen mothers and give them a vision for their children and help them to know what is truly important. And Lord, may we have even a revival of families throughout our nation. A revival of <clears throat> nurturing our families and putting what's most important in your eyes to what is most important to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.